Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Tastemaker Conversations, a food blogger podcast for foodie influencers and content creators where we share tips and resources to help you grow your food blogging business. I'm Susie. And I'm Todd. Together we run HeyGrillHey.com. It's an online food blog and it's actually become our full-time family business. Today on this awesome episode, episode 5 of Tastemaker Conversations, we're interviewing Amber from Mediavine. Amber is not only speaking at the conference, but Mediavine is also one of our sponsors, and we're so excited to have her talking to us today. We're going to cover some ways that you can help monetize your website and increase your viewability and ad revenue on your site. So let's get started. Here we go. Today, we are interviewing Amber Bracegirdle. Amber is a co-founder of Mediavine Publisher Network, the world's largest exclusive advertising network and managing editor of foodfanatic.com. She lives in South Texas with her Brit husband, James, and their two boys, Evan and Will. When she's not wrinkling the boys, she enjoys reading, swimming, and pimento cheese. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Mediavine currently represents more than 2,300 internet publishers in programmatic advertising, and they are also a great sponsor for us at Tastemaker Conference. And Amber is teaching a class at Tastemaker also. So we're just like the whole beautiful Mediavine package and we get to interview (laughs) Amber today, which is awesome. Awesome. So uh, that intro is great and made me think that I need to update some stuff with you guys. So fill us in. We are dropping Publisher Network from our name. Um, and just Mediavine. Um, it's more for the advertising side than it is for blogger side, but, um, networks have kind of a negative connotation, you know, um, and we're not an ad network at all. Um, so we decided to drop that from the name. We're now just Mediavine. I like it. Um, and we're actually closing in on 3,000 publishers. What? Whoa. See, yeah, we do need yeah. an updated bio. Yeah, yeah. My we've goodness. Been launching, we've been launching close to 100 sites a week since the start of the year. It's bananas. That's growth like um, I've never heard. That's awesome. Yeah, we we literally have never stopped growing, and we don't do any outbound marketing other than going to conferences. Like, that is literally the extent of our outbound marketing. We don't cold email anybody we don't do referral programs. Like we very consciously chose not to do a referral program so that when there are reviews of us out in the world, it's, it's, you know, your true experience. Uh, I can tell you the word of mouth is insanely awesome too. Like like you guys have an amazing, like, I don't know if you, I don't want to call it underground, but just all the bloggers, (laughs) just, you guys have a great reputation and everyone's looking to you guys. So it's just awesome. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we work really hard for that. Um, we want to make sure that that um, we have that reputation. We're your partner, not your. I don't know what the right word is, but we're a partner. You That's know, awesome. We're here to. We actually, at the beginning of the year, we decided on our mission statement as a company, and it's actually on our homepage now. But it's um, building sustainable businesses for content creators. And I think that's the dream, right? Yeah. As, as a right. content creator for us, like we want sustainable long-term right. businesses. You want something that you can hand off to your kids if they're interested. Mm-hmm. That you know? would be awesome. And that's, and that's what we want to. So, um, so yeah. Cool. Well, thanks mine. for the update. Okay. Yeah. Now we're going to jump in because 
we want to give our listeners and us, honestly, because this is our first time meeting you too, just a little yes. background on you as a person. So give me a couple mm-hmm. minutes where you're from, what's your family like, what's your education, who is Amber Bracegirdle? <laughs> oh, wow. So I was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. Um, very proud to be a Texan. Um, we moved back a few years ago, but I've lived all over the world. Um, I went to the Disney College program in Florida. Then I spent 10 years with my husband, local to New York City on the Jersey side. Um, we've lived in England together. Um, as you said at the beginning, I have two small boys and my my British husband, James, he's from Blackpool, England, and we try to go back at least once a year. Oh, um, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, except you don't want to do that flight with a one-year-old. No. I've done it, <laughs> I've done it now, and it was awful, and yeah, I never want to do it again. Um we have one grumpy cat and we live, um, we live four minutes from both my mom and my sister so that my kids can grow up with their cousins the way that she and I did. That's so important. Um, we, we're the same it, way. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we all live in the same neighborhood. Um, and, uh, we have some of the same friends and yeah, it's pretty cool now that we're sort of settled. When we first moved back, it was like, Oh, what did we do? But, <laughs> but now it's, now it's good. That's, That's awesome. Good. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Man, I've never been to San Antonio, but I'm hoping we make it there soon. Oh, you got to come down. No, I it's know. such a great such a great town, not just for like we're actually tourism is the number one industry here. I've been to and San there's Antonio. There's so much stuff to do. I've, Have you? I've danced on the the Riverwalk where they filmed yes. Miss Congeniality's pageant stage yes, statement nice. i yep. danced mm-hmm. on that stage at one point in my Spirit life fingers yeah i forget the name i forget the name of it but yeah that stage has been there it's such a cool thing if anybody has ever not seen that movie the stage is on the opposite side of the river to yeah. the seats so you have the river in between you um yeah, yeah that's when really any, cool. whenever anybody comes to visit i always take them on one of the river tours on one of the boats um, I could probably recite that tour in my sleep now. I know all the little, the little fun facts about the businesses around there and like trees that are growing out of the walls and stuff like that. But, That's awesome. Um, You'll have to play our tour guide cool when place. we come down. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just that river walk. I feel like I could spend like two or three full days oh, just yeah. like hanging out down there. Yeah, for sure. And they expanded it recently and it's absolutely beautiful. It goes all the way down to the Pearl Brewery now, which is actually really a, a, like a whole artisan community. Oh. Um, so it's really, really cool. All right. Well, we're on a plane to San Antonio. Yeah. Just cut this Perfect. interview. It's over. Yeah. We're, we're on our way. I was booking a flight. as weird. <laughs> okay. Like so we have a little mini segment that we're introducing called our icebreaker question. And yeah. it's kind of a, just a fun segue into the rest of our conversation. So if you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, man. So... You know, I've been asked this before and thought immediately of of my grandparents because they were so influential in my life. But from a strictly uh, thinking of my career and and stuff like that, it would be Walt Disney. That's awesome. Oh, I would have never thought of that. Huge. I'm a huge Disney file. Like I said, I did the Disney college program. A lot of what I learned during that college program stuck with me. And we use a lot of the same ideals when we started Mediavine. Um, Like the, the dedication to transparency and the making sure that we were treating people well. 
um, you know, not as if they're customers, but as if they are, you know, Disney, it's always, they're your guest and you're a cast member and you're in a costume. Like it doesn't turn off. Yeah. Um, and for me, like when we first started and I was like the first line of support for everybody that was, that was coming to work with us, that's exactly how I did it. Um, I was never off. Like if someone messaged me at three o'clock in the morning, if I saw it, I answered it because that is my responsibility. They have put their livelihood in my hand and that is my responsibility is to treat it with respect. Beautiful. Um, and that's, it's the same way that Disney does stuff. Yeah. That's so great. I that, love Walt Disney. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing. That was a good choice. It's amazing. So that's a perfect segue. Segway. You just started talking about Mediavine a little bit. So tell us a little yeah. bit about what it, what Mediavine is and, and how you got to starting it. So it's funny. A Mediavine has been around since 2004. Um, and it was started by three dudes that wanted to, they started out as an SEO firm and then they realized that they could make more money, um, doing SEO for themselves. So starting websites for themselves. And so they, it was in the era of like Perez Hilton and all of that. And so they started, um, a couple of things around like Grey's Anatomy and Gossip Girl. And they started the Hollywood Gossip, which is still um, in publication today. We still own it. We still run it. Steve runs that every single day. He's one of my co-founders. Um, and then they were told by their ad network that they weren't making enough money because the audiences that come to gossip sites and entertainment sites are not as lucrative as lifestyle sites. Hmm. So they were like, well, we don't know anything about fashion. We don't know anything <laughs> about crafting. We don't know anything about parenting because this is before they had kids. Um, we all like food. So Eric started going around to food blogging conferences um, to learn, but also to potentially meet someone um, to help them start the site. And they had already bought the domain foodfanatic.com. It's, it already had a little bit of content on it that Matt had created. Um, and at this tiny little conference we were at, I think there were like 60 attendees and plus the panel, right? So it was a really small room. Um, and I'm not known for my willingness to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> hey, that sounds like <laughs> And so there were a couple of panels uh, where I just was like blown away by the inaccuracies that the panel was portraying. Um, and I said so in this tiny room with 60 people and a panel. And afterwards, Eric walks up to me. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a picture of him, but he looks like Bradley Cooper. Mm. And so he walks up to me at this conference in Philadelphia and I'm like, who is this guy? What, what is going on right now? And I was there with other food blogging friends and they like disappeared into the walls. I was like, uh, okay, cool. Um, and he said, you know, I really like your spunk. Like that's what, he's, that's what he said. <laughs> and he said, you know, I'd really like to hire you to come help me work on a food site. And I actually was working for a software company at the time out of Silicon Valley. So I was making six figures. And I was like, ah, uh, that sounds great, but can you pay me six figures? And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, that's not the end of the conversation. I would be happy to, you know, discuss and maybe consult for you and help you and all of this. And so we ended up starting Food Fanatic a few months later 
um, with the idea that we would create a site that we would open our favorite food bloggers or my favorite food bloggers up to new audiences um, and help them grow their site by opening up them up to new audiences while also growing a site for ourselves. Yeah. So it's contributor based. Uh, yes. Cool. hundred percent. And it still is. And I still run it to this day. That's awesome. Um, and so not long after that, we ran into problems with the ad network that we were using because they were bought by a private equity firm as, as happens so often. I think we're literally the only company in this space left that has not been acquired. Um, and we have no desire to be acquired. We get offers all the time, but we always turn them down. Um, and overnight with, with being this ad network being acquired, um, our ad revenue cut in half and, you know, we're running four sites. They're all contributor based. Um, Plus, you know, I, at this point had started working for the guys full time because I had gotten pregnant with my first son and wanted to stay home instead of traveling all over for this software company. Um, and so Eric being the programmer that he is, um, he built all of our sites and he thought that he could build something better than what our ad network was doing. And so originally all of this was just for our four sites. Like that's what he was doing. Yeah. And then my best friend, Jamie, is uh, she runs my baking addiction. And I mentioned to her that Eric was doing this stuff. And she was like, well, I'm having the exact same problem that you guys are having. Is there any way that you could help me too? So I talked to Eric about it. And he was like, well, if there's anybody I would help, it would be Jamie. Because she had helped us right from the start to grow Food Fanatic. And um, so he went out and did all the things you're supposed to do to, to represent a site that you don't own, right. um, in terms of their advertising. And once we had done that for her site, it was kind of like opening up the floodgates. And <laughs> as, as you know, food bloggers like to talk. Yeah. Um, and so not before long, we had emails from Carly, uh, at Buns in My Oven, who was writing for us, Amy from Sugary Sweets, who was writing for us. Jocelyn from Inside Brew Crew Life, Brandy from Nutmeg Nanny, and Gina from Running to the Kitchen. So we started with those six in June of 2015. All-star cast. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, that we call them our original six. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of like Disney has the, uh, the the League of Old Men or whatever it is. <laughs> the we League have, of Old original, Men. I forget, I forget what it is. It's like he had, like, his, his original animators were yeah. called, like, the you know, the 10 old men or something like that. Um, and so we started with our six in June of 2015. And like I said earlier, we're closing in on 3000. Oh That's amazing. So, well, I am a Mediavine alumni yeah. from my site, uh, HeyGrillHey.com. I actually joined Mediavine. Like you said, bloggers talk. And mm -hmm. when things are working at the time, I mean, your options, when I joined Mediavine, our options were pretty limited to, Google AdSense, gourmet ads. There was another outwork, right. ad network that you had to buy into um, yeah. to get ads served. Or yeah, you could set up your own. You could code your own waterfall ads, which was, I am happy to admit, like way beyond my depth of knowledge <laughs> and information that easy. I possessed. It's not easy. No. And it's so easy to mess up and like violate terms and conditions oh, and get yeah. yourself banned from a yeah. from an ad exchange real yeah. quick. So I think yeah. as soon as people knew that there was an option that brought in more money with less mm -hmm. work, we were all like, yeah, okay, yeah. 
And I actually joined Mediavine before you guys had a minimum amount of sessions per user. It was, I can't even remember. I think I barely had 10,000 page views. Yeah, that was sort that was sort of like the first six months. Yeah. That we were, that we said, no, we think we can do this without, you know, having a limit. And then our, our advertisers all came to us and said, listen, guys, (laughs) we, we need some, and it wasn't even, it's not even about like them having some sort of traffic requirement. It's that their tools will not pick up a site if it's below a certain level. Yep. Um, and so then it's really hard to get them to bid reliably. Like their tools just miss the fact that the site exists and is available to them for purchase, <laughs> not the site itself, but the, the advertising space. And right. so, so that's why, and so we, you know, we went back and we thought about it really hard and, and said, okay, well, when does it really make sense? Because we will be the first people to admit that ads detract from user experience. They yeah. do, no matter what you do, they are going to, on some level, detract from user experience. They're and necessary so, evil. They are. And so for us, our job is to make them as palatable as possible. Right. And so we said, well, when does it really make sense that the loss of user experience makes up for the income? And that's when we came up with um, back then it was 30,000 page views. Now it's 25,000 sessions, um, which is they're pretty comparable. Right. and it, that, you know, that's what we came up with. And we talked our advertisers into, okay, this is what we'll set it at. Does that solve your problems? And they were like, yeah, okay, that works. That's so, awesome. yeah. Well, I will be forever grateful that I snuck in under the radar before because it gave us a really great um, launching point to kind of mm-hmm. look at this honestly and say, oh my gosh. You could actually make money. This could right. actually yeah. be a business. So it was a great motivator for us. And honestly, I That's think awesome. having a minimum um, amount of page user sessions or whatever to be able to apply, I think is a good thing because I think it gives people a lot of motivation to work their mm-hmm. way to the point where you can financially, you know, help yourself and build mm-hmm. a business that's beneficial to you. So I think right. it's awesome. I'm grateful that right. I snuck in personally, but I'm glad that the, <laughs> that the base exists now that also. There. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's, an, and it's important to note that we actually, we work with sites of all sizes, right? So yeah. we do have that minimum, but we don't have a maximum. Like our technology is scalable. It works with sites of every size. The Hollywood Gossip has 30 million page views a month. Whoa. So... We don't have sort of a cap. I know there's an idea out there that like at some point you should switch to someone else that has a higher joining threshold, but it's kind of not a thing. Like it, it's not a thing. It's scalable. Um, it is scalable. And so, um, you know, we, we love working with the smaller bloggers. They are the backbone of Mediavine. Um, they make it possible for us to go to an advertiser and say, you can reach 3000 different audiences. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's important, I think to have that, um, you know, in, it come, it came originally from sort of an altruistic place. You know, I'm a tiny blogger. I, I haven't updated blue bonnet Baker in a really long time, but back then I had, I want to say 40,000, 50,000 page views probably around the 25,000 session mark. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to make sure that someone like myself would be able to join. 
Um, you know, whereas I looked at my best friend who had millions of page views a month. And so it's like, we wanted a solution that could work for both of those types of bloggers Yeah, and put them a little bit more on a level playing field and that they don't have to worry about this thing in order to turn their passion into a business. And that's, what's been so powerful and so amazing that I've watched. I mean, my site is only three years old. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've been like a student of blogging, I say (laughs) for many, many years. Um, I mean, I started working for a deal blogger, geez, nine, eight, nine years ago now. Um, so back when blogging was new and ad networks really didn't exist. And so to watch people kind of transition their mindsets on how it's possible to make money. And I think that altruism is a great way to go always and <laughs> to mm-hmm. give people mm-hmm. that opportunity. You guys are doing awesome things. So I kind of want to segue to our next question because mm-hmm. you talked about a lot of things just in your backstory that piqued my interest personally, um, as a woman in business, particularly, but as a woman mm-hmm. in tech, because you started in software in Silicon Valley. Now you're co-founder yeah. of Mediavine. That's mm-hmm. a growing business. And you said it started with three dudes. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and I think you it even did. said in an email that you call your office your fortress of of what? What did you call oh, it? The fortress, the uh, the tower of peace and quiet. The tower of peace and quiet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it comes. Uh, it comes from a my nephew called my sister's a labor and delivery nurse, and she works in a hospital that's a really tall building. And when he was little, um, he called her hospital the tower of peace and quiet. because she made she made some joke about I'm gonna go to work now and get some peace and quiet and (laughs) he and it stuck and so now we use that all the time like if my husband works upstairs at our house and he's like I'm going upstairs to the tower and peace of quiet and I'm like okay I'll see you later (laughs) you know because the kids aren't allowed up there and so so yeah it's um it's hard juggling juggling this stuff, you know? I think any woman comes across that. Like, it's difficult to juggle this growing business and your kids and wanting to be there for your kids, especially now, you know, I'm going to be traveling to Tastemaker. I'm traveling to a lot of conferences this year, and it means I'm leaving my kids and my husband behind, um, which is, you know, kind of the antithesis of what I meant to do when I left the software industry. Um, but I've been put in this position that I wouldn't give up for anything. Um, and so I have to choose between these things all the time. Um, I joke all the time, right. That my, my first son and food fanatic are Irish twins (laughs) and then Mediavine and my second son are Irish twins because the the timing of how they started it was almost like like I got pregnant almost I, at, right after so like with Evan I got pregnant with him in January we started in January and then um with Will I got pregnant in November and we started in June so it was like um you know I've always had this thing of having to <laughs> to juggle <laughs> juggle these things um And, you know, I actually, even before the software company, I worked at Travelocity for 12 years. So I, you know, I have been in the dot-com, you know, in my very first job as an 18-year-old, I worked at an internet service provider back when there was dial-up, 
this has just kind of always been my industry. I love computers. I love figuring out problems. Um, that's actually my favorite thing about Mediavine is that we figured out a problem and, and are lifting people up by solving it, you know? Um, and I, I want to go back cause I, I loved what you were talking about, like with, with your kids and mm-hmm. with what you're going through in your career. Cause Susie and I are going through that right now. I've left my full time right. and we're Susie and I are working at this thing full time together now. Right. And, I, and I've kind of taken on, we call it the lead parent responsibilities where I'm the one doing school field trips and doctor's appointments. Right. And we're letting her focus on hay grill, hay full time. And right. it's been an interesting transition because, um, I don't, sorry if this is a little private, Susie, but I've noticed, <laughs> I've noticed some guilt on her shoulders when she's traveled mm-hmm. to conferences or when she's had to do some oh, yeah. traveling for TV and different things. And, uh, I don't know, we've just had some really good conversations about it. Cause it's just such, we grew up, we both grew up in an atmosphere that was heavy, heavily focused on, you know, mom stays at home, raises the kids mm-hmm. and dad provides mm-hmm. for the family. So mm-hmm. just to, to fill that switch now, it's really interesting to, to go through that. And, uh, I don't know, I think it's empowering. It's, it's empowering for me to watch her go through it and balance that because she's growing as a person. I don't know if you feel the same way, like, but I don't quite know how to tackle it, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I do. And I think for me, there's definitely an added layer of, you know, both of my kids are from infertility treatments. We tried for them for a really, really long time. We were married for, let's see, Evan was born in 2013. We were married for eight years before we had a kid and, um, we struggled for a really long time to have him. And so, and then we had to go right back at it to fertility treatments to have a second. And so for me, you know, one of the things that was so easy about walking away from a six figure job and taking a $70,000 pay cut to work for the guys was I had the opportunity to stay home with my baby that I fought so hard for. Um, and it, it was hard the first time, like I took him to conferences with me when he was tiny, but it's not feasible now that he's four. And, um, he was always a really, (laughs) he's, he was always a really laid back baby. Whereas my younger one is bananas. His nickname is Godzilla, the Godzilla (laughs) baby. And he, he is a nut and I could not even imagine. I took him to chopped when he was like eight weeks old. And that was fine because I knew a lot of the bloggers there. I had been friends with them for years. So they all just passed him around while I spoke and stuff like that. Um, but now it's just not feasible for me to take them with me. Um, and my husband and I've discussed over and over again, like, you know, do we try and make a family trip out of it? But what it comes down to is he's basically then stuck with them in a hotel room or in a strange place while I'm off doing the thing, Yep. you know, which is not, which is kind of even worse because yep. at least at home you have your designated safe zones and, and you, you have can like, stuff and, yeah. and you have stuff and you don't have to schlep everything everywhere and, yeah. and all of these things. So it's just like, we have to keep reminding ourselves. It's such a short season. They're, they're really only this, is. they're only this tiny for so long. And so, you know, we've had lots of discussions about, um, finding ways for me to shorten my trips Um, so that I'm not gone that long. My older one struggles with anxiety and and it definitely reaches a peak when I'm not home. So I, that I think definitely 
adds to the layer of guilt yeah. that I feel when, when I walk away, because I know that I'm actively causing my kid pain. Um, but at the same time, I think it's so important to, for him to see me going out and kicking butt and taking names. Yes. Right. Totally. Just like, you know, just like daddy does, just like daddy does. Daddy kicks butt and takes names. He just does it from his office most of the time. Yep. Um, and so it, it's, yeah, I struggle with it. I feel <laughs> you. We're in the yeah. same boat. I feel like I tell people I have four kids, but my fourth is just a food blog. Right. Because it, it does. Your business requires a massive amount of your attention, a massive amount mm-hmm. of your effort. And there's no way that a person can be all things to everyone. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I feel, I feel you, but yeah. it's, it's, incredibly relatable and I think we've all been there and I think it's just something that a lot of people don't necessarily consider um when they're like man right. I would love to do this full time right but there's full time means it's, full time <laughs> it does and it's just not like I, I mean we didn't we didn't go into this saying oh we're gonna create this giant ad management company right and do all these things. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've gone from three employees to 30 in two years and it's like, it's, it's just crazy. And it's not something we set out to do, but it's such a gift that it, even though it's a gift that requires sacrifice on a daily basis, it's worth it. Um, And it's just sometimes getting my husband to realize it's worth it or getting myself to realize it's worth it um, takes some extra effort. But we get there. Todd took quite a bit of convincing, honestly, before he came around and and decided it was worth it. I'm an accountant, though, so I had to see the numbers on paper to make it make sense. I can't live on on a dream. (laughs) I get that. I get that. I was a a fraud analyst. Like, that's what I did. That's what I did in my like corporate job at Travelocity and then last minute and then Silvertail. That's what I did. I, I analyzed stuff all day long. And so, um, that's what I do with all of this stuff is I sit back and I analyze and I think, okay, here are all the possible outcomes. How do we get, <laughs> how do we get to the most desirable one? Yep. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. I think, man. Yeah. I think very much along the same lines in a lot of things. And I'm also very impulsive in a lot of things. So Todd's the good background, like think things through and analyze and I overthink things and then just make an impulsive decision. So it's good to have, it's good to have an analyst. Okay. So we're going to, uh, take this conversation and kind of talk about your class that you're teaching at yeah. Tastemaker. It's called viewability, right. what you need to know about SEO and advertising. Um, so if you could give us kind of your three key tips or maybe some sneak peeks about your class on viewability sure. that the people listening can learn and implement even before the conference, we're just trying to give sure. people some awesome, tasty little nuggets that they can take away and start using. Okay. So the first thing to know is that viewability is a made up word, right? It's not a real word. Uh, word, Microsoft word will tell you it's misspelled every time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, which is frustrating for me, but it was created by the IAB, which is the international advertising bureau or something like that. Um, and basically what it refers to is how long, um, an ad is in the viewable screen. Okay. Okay. So, um, 
we now have the technology. This is something that's so cool to me, right? Because I love history. Advertising has been around since ancient Roman times, right? They had frescoes on walls in ancient Rome that advertised things. Yeah. This is literally the first time in the history of advertising that an advertiser can know with complete and total certainty that their ad was seen. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you hear about that all the time. Like we, we want statistics. We want to see the return mm-hmm. on our investment. And right. that's becoming a really big deal. It's becoming a really, really big deal. And Google was the first to come to market with the technology that allows them to score an ad and say, okay, this was actually seen. Um, and the way that they do that is they look to see how much of the ad was in the viewable screen for at least one second. The longer it's in the screen, the higher the score it gets. Okay. And the higher the score is, the more people are willing to pay you over time for that position. Cool. Which is how we have always approached advertising at Mediavine. Like that has been our focus since day one, because as Eric did his research, he could see the writing on the wall, right? No advertiser is going to pay for, like if they have the choice to pay five cents for an ad that may or may not be seen or 10 cents for an ad that's definitely seen, which one are they going to pay for? The one that will (laughs) definitely be seen. Right. And so Google came to market with it and it's taken a couple of years, but now the other big ad exchanges, AppNexus, Index Exchange, they're coming to market with their versions, right? Eventually what's going to happen is advertisers are literally not going to pay for an ad impression that was loaded, but it wasn't seen. And our goal has always been that Mediavine publishers will not even feel that change. That's awesome. Because, because it's already been thought about. Um, and so everything that we do is, is with that. And so what's actually really cool about working for that is it, it improves a lot of the things that you are trying to do for SEO. So like, if you think the most important thing about viewability is thinking about how a reader interacts with your site. Right. So like a big one for me lately is people installing like jump to recipe buttons that allows the reader to skip right past all of their content and go straight to the recipe. There is an argument out there by one person, as far as I can tell, I've done tons of research and I can literally only find one SEO person saying that this is a thing, um, that it's good for user experience. And so Google rewards it. I'm not here to argue whether or not it's good for user experience, but my personal feeling is that it's bad for your site health because you're increasing your bounce rate because they will smash and grab to your recipe, print it, whatever they wanted to do to get that recipe, they'll be in and out of your site in a much shorter amount of time. Um, None of your ads, whether it be on desktop with a sidebar and you're in content ads or on mobile for sure, there's only two places to advertise on mobile. The the footer of the browser window, which is called an adhesion unit, or in content. 70 to 80% of a food blog's traffic comes from mobile devices these days. Yeah. So if you provide them with a way to skip past all of your advertising and all of your good content and be out of your site in less than 30 seconds, then you have killed your bounce rate. 
you've killed dwell time, which is something that Bing has very much admitted they, they pay attention to. And there's a lot of argument that Google cares about it too. And what dwell time is, is how long someone was on your site before they went back to search results. Right. Right. And so the longer that they dwell on your site, the better it is and the more ranking you'll have because it's seen as a measure of good quality, right? And at the end of the day, SEO is about good quality. Yeah, user experience definitely is a massive benefit for sure in terms mm -hmm. of like it boosts everything, right? So I'm going to full mm -hmm. disclosure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I totally have a jump to recipe button on my I website. know you do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I will say, I think this is one of those things where every audience is just a little bit different, right? And every is. community is a little bit different. And I have, I mean, I don't know, I'm very niched down. And so the mm -hmm. articles that I write are very informational. So I found that right. very few people actually use, actually use the jump it. to recipe button. But right. I have had people comment specifically and tell me how grateful they are for it when they come back to a recipe to get it a second time. So my bounce rates have remained, actually, I my bounce rates were lower last month and my time on site was higher. So we could be, we're an anomaly. I think, uh, well, and I think when you You're niche down an and you know your audience, I know my audience very, very well. Right. And so I, I agree with you, like definitely go with like what's standard, but I'm willing to push the envelope a little bit. And I haven't seen a drop so far in terms of things that you mentioned, but I'm not offering advice to people because I'm not the expert. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm an expert in my audience. Yeah. If you're going to so, use it, use it with caution. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I literally just looked at a site because we, so we used to, um, the technology, what a jump button does is it actually just sends a message to the browser that the person is scrolling. They're just scrolling very quickly. So our ads are lazy loaded, right? So they will not actually load unless someone is going to scroll near them. Right. And so for us, um, that actually created a worse user experience when we used to, cause it used to be that they would send the message that they were scrolling and then, um, all of the ads would start to load. So they would be at the recipe, but then all the ad positions would load and it would shove everything down. Oh. And so then they still had to scroll. So it created actually a worse user experience. Yep. And I get how that would hurt viewability overall too. Right. So yes, this right. is definitely not me telling anybody what to do. <laughs> right. I and just so wanted we'll... full disclosure that sometimes <laughs> yeah. I break all the rules. <laughs> right. Right. And I mean, it's fine. Some people we've, we've definitely seen there are some people, there are some people at Mediavine that they don't see the ill effects of this, but we changed the technology so that if there is a jump button detected, we won't load any in content uh, ads unless, a, unless it's an actual human scrolling past. That's like we awful. have a way to tell that. Right. But so like we just recently launched that new in content logic, right? That that's uh, right in line with the coalition for better ads. Yeah. And people have seen a huge increase in, in their earnings because um, it, it can actually, you can actually have ads more often than our opinionated way of the past. Um, Cause we actually like to have them really far apart and not so often and all of this stuff, but but um, I think as blog creators, we kind of do too. You know what I mean? I think right. we tend to default right. so quickly to to user experience and how much is too much. And But I know that you guys have given everybody the option of how frequently they want their ads. For sure. And there's a bunch of tweaks in that new CBA logic. So it's actually even more customizable than the original. 
Um, so what we, what I literally was just looking at a site yesterday who has, has turned that logic on, but her, their readers, their jump to recipe button is basically clicked constantly by their Pinterest crowd oh. and none. And they're like, even with, even though they have super long content and they have CBA turned on, they're literally loading like two in content ads per session, not per page view, but per session. Wow. Even on mobile, and that's terrible. Yeah, that's like, not great. No, and it it means that they're earning a lot less than than other folks in their sort of realm. And you know, we literally said like the proof is in the pudding. Like you take that that button off, this is all going to change. And what it comes down to is we're unwilling to load all of these ads on site load, right? Right. Because it doesn't provide any value to the advertisers, which is viewability. Um, but it also hurts your SEO because loading 11 ads on site load would cause your site speed to just tank. And Google over and over and over again for the past 10 years has said that page speed is one of their top ranking signals. And we were just, you know, we just had our conference at Google's headquarters. Um, and we were not allowed to film their sessions, but what they talked about over and over in their sessions was site speed, yep. especially on mobile. And so everything that they're doing is saying to you care about site speed. And so for us, we don't want to be the company that gets in your way of that. Right. Yeah. So that's why we lazy load the ads. Um, and it just goes, they go hand in hand with each other. Building a faster site is good for SEO, but it's also by way of that, providing better value to advertisers. Well, because you raised the so, viewability. Right. Look right. how much I'm learning. Yep. I'm learning so much. <laughs> so that was that was tip one, right? I'm just kind of trying it, to recap well, here. So viewability. Yeah, I mean, it's kind one of, and a half, it, two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. I mean, basically, I, I want reader, you know, I want listeners to understand what viewability is. And it's basically like stop and think about how readers are interacting with your site and where where you can improve their experience by increasing your site speed and, you know, making it so that your images are optimized and all of these things that speak to making a better site for your readers, they actually also speak to providing better value to advertisers. Absolutely. And I found that one thing that has helped me consistently, um, you know, because I do break occasional rules and I do have a jump to recipe button or whatever, but I mean, the example that you were giving me probably has a majority of traffic from Pinterest, whereas mine's really minimal. I have right. very minimal traffic from Pinterest. And I think that's cool that you're mentioning Mediavine has a lot of opportunities for people to really customize how many ads you want in your site. And you give people opportunities to learn more about ads, learn more about viewability, and kind of take their revenue into their own hands. And I hope that that's the takeaway that this whole conversation gives to people that are listening is that there are really great ways to make money using ads on your website. And there's a lot of information out there. So get to know your audience, get to know your site speed, get to know your ads viewability and really dig in deep because there's a lot of potential for you as a content creator to earn more money, to build a better business, and to create an experience where readers want to come back over and over again. Mm -hmm. So 
that's awesome. And we want to give, um, not just you, but we want to give Mediavine a huge shout out too, uh, because you guys are an awesome sponsor for Tastemaker Conference. You guys have been an awesome support for me as I've built my business. And I will always be so grateful uh, just for the motivation that I saw to like the potential to build a business, which is so great. So how can we find you or Mediavine and how can, how can people get a hold of you and, and yeah. get their businesses earning money with Mediavine? So we are at Mediavine on pretty much every social platform except Facebook, which we're working on. Um, Facebook, we're Mediavine Publisher Network. Um, you can email us at publishers at mediavine.com. There's an entire team of people that will answer your questions. We are not salesy. If you want to know more about us, like just ask us. We're an open book, um, and we will help in any way that we can. I love it. Um, give us a little, you, you gave us a little preview when we started. So Mediavine's changing its name. We know that's, mm -hmm. we're, we're shortening. We're, we're just shortening embracing to Embracing the minimalist it's, movement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and where, where are you guys heading? What's the future for Mediavine? The future, um, we are looking at, we have a goal of uh, releasing a couple of plugins this year, um, including a recipe plugin that we are focusing very heavily on, um, some social plugins. We're really, um, it's kind of nice we've solved the uh, monetization portion, so we are focusing on ways that we can provide value to our publishers by giving them things that, that they've been asking for, you know, a, a recipe plugin. This is the first recipe plugin that's been designed with food bloggers, uh, SEO, uh, advertising, all three of them sort of together at one time, making sure that we are designing for all of that. Um, and so it's probably going to be the fastest recipe card you can find in terms of load. Um, same with the social sharing plugin we're working on, you know, that's a big site speed hog for yeah. pretty much anybody out there. So we are working on that and, um, yeah, we're just, we're just hoping to provide more and more value. That's it's awesome. not just about ads. We like to say, um, ads are just the beginning. So that's where we're at with all of this stuff. I'm, I'm curious. Just the beginning. I'm, I'm like super new to the blogging world, right? So mm -hmm. do you guys provide any, um, like, for those that don't meet those thresholds yet, right? Mm -hmm. Do you guys provide any coaching or education or help? Um, because, I mean, your goal should be to get someone above that threshold and get them on your network, right? Sorry, right. network's a bad word. Get them with, <laughs> get them with Mediavine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, we don't have a ton of stuff out there yet. Um, we are working. On, we have some ideas. Um, our help files are available to anyone. They're, they're open to anybody that would like to read them. Just help.mediavine.com. We have optimization guides in there, um, all that sort of stuff. And honestly, our biggest advice to anybody that's wanting to grow is don't focus on like monetization and stuff. Cause all you're going to do is slow down your site, mm -hmm. right. With all of these, these ads out there, we're, we're literally the only company that lazy loads ads. 
yep. everybody else um, loads everything on site loads. So for us, our biggest set of advice is just wait on the monetization and focus on growing your audience. Yep. And I Don't think that's alienate. great advice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with Food Fanatic, we didn't put ads on it for two years before we, you know, and then we started out putting our old network's um, stuff on it. And then we realized pretty quickly that we were going to be moving away from them. And so we, um, we pulled them off again and until we had everything to go and then put our own ads back on it. So it's, it's something where, yeah, the, the site itself was a loss leader for a, a good long while. Yeah. Um, but it was worth it to us to grow the audience for that site. And it, I want to say it had half a million pages a month before we put ads on it. That's amazing. I just can't get over the 30 million on Hollywood gossip. It's I know. Like, just like running in my head over and over again. It's <laughs> crazy. It's honestly crazy. Between the Duggars and the Kardashians, that site yeah. just is crazy. My um, mind went to just you, running that website. It sounds like I know, no one, I wouldn't guys, be able to sleep. And if you guys have ever met Steve, you would just be like, wait, that's who runs the Hollywood gossip? <laughs> I love that. I love it's unassuming so, so funny. awesome mm-hmm. bosses. Yeah, no. I know. It's it's super funny. Amber, it was so good to talk to you and it was so good to meet you. And it was so great to hear about Mediavine for all of our listeners. Amber will be at Tastemaker Conference teaching a class on viewability. Mediavine will be heavily represented there. So anybody that has more questions about advertising and the best ways to monetize your site and the opportunities that Mediavine has to offer, come to Tastemaker. We'll see you guys there. And there's just no end to the amount of awesomeness that you can learn um, and continue making great content for your website. So thank you so much to Amber for being here today and for coming to Tastemaker. And we'll see you guys all there. Awesome. A huge thanks thanks to Mediavine, too, of course, not just Amber. Yes, thank you. you. It'll be so awesome. Okay. (laughs) We're we're excited. All right. Thanks a lot, Amber. Thank you, guys. Okay. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. As always, the production of this podcast was brought to you by Shiny Heads Productions. Check them out at shinyheadsproductions.com to find royalty-free music for your video projects. Thanks for listening.